What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here for Vanished in the Valley. Today, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. So, it was kind of a strange vanishing, and I've heard a few kind of similar to his, to where nothing makes sense in it. And I just thought I'd profile him, because he's been missing for 12 years now. And his parents basically went through literal hell trying to get the police to do anything on the case because at the time he went missing, Brandon was considered an adult. So a lot of laws have changed since Brandon vanished that night. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's just get right into the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Shortly after midnight on May 14th, this is 2008, Brandon Swanson, who lived in Marshall, Minnesota, drove his car into a ditch. He was on his way home from celebrating the end of the spring semester with fellow students and friends from Minnesota West Community and Technical Colleges, Canby Campus. Uninjured, he got out and called his parents on his phone. Unsure of his exact location, he told them he believed he was near Lind, and they drove out to pick him up, but they were never able to locate him. He was actually on the phone with them until he abruptly ended the call about 45 minutes after exclaiming, oh shit, and he's never been heard of or seen since. Now that's kind of fucked up. You're talking to your parents for 45 minutes. They're on their way to pick you up. And the last thing they hear is, oh shit, click, and that's it. You fucking vanish into the night. So let's just get a little bit more details and uh it's kind of i don't know when i read the story the first time it kind of gave me goosebumps so i don't know see what you guys think so in the morning his parents had reported swanson missing to the police who advised them to wait as such behavior was not uncommon for young men his age yeah fucking right aka police don't want to do anything Later that day, the circumstances of his disappearance became more complicated when his cell phone records actually showed he'd been near Porter, which was 25 miles from where Swanson had said he was, and in a totally different direction. That information led to the discovery of his car. So it's not known whether Brandon was aware of the discrepancy when he talked to his parents. Foul play has not been ruled out, but it has also been proposed that he might have accidentally fallen into the Yellow Medicine River, which was actually kind of near where his car was found, and they think he may have drowned. Although, they've never found a body, and they did have extensive searches all up and down the river. Land searches for dogs have continued in the area for several years. His parents did successfully lobby the state legislator to pass Brandon's law, which now requires that police begin investigations of missing adults promptly. I wonder what promptly means. I'm not sure. We'll have to maybe try to look that up. A little background about Brandon is that he was studying wind turbines for a year at the Minnesota West Community and Technical College and the classes had actually ended on May 13th, 2008. Swanson had stayed in Canby for the evening to celebrate with friends. And at two different parties, he was observed to drink some alcoholic beverages. But his friends said not enough to make him visibly intoxicated. His parents actually also reported that when they were speaking to him on the phone, he did not sound drunk at all. So a lot of people have just kind of like written this off as some drunk kid out driving around, busted up his, you know, busted up his car and 
wandered off and died somewhere, and maybe from exposure or something. But no one's reporting him being drunk. No one's found a body. So I think it's a little bit more, I don't want to say sinister, but it's a little bit more involved than just some drunk kid crashing a car and then walking off and dying of exposure. So let's get to his actual disappearance. Brandon left Canby for the 30-mile drive home just before midnight. And then around 2 o'clock in the morning, his parents got a call from his cell phone telling them that he had driven his Chevy Lumina off the road and into a ditch from which he could not remove the car. He said he wasn't hurt or anything, and he asked them to come to where he was and pick him up. His parents, Annette and Brian Swanson, got in their car and drove out to where they thought he was. And the whole time, he was on the phone with them. There were occasional hang-ups and drops, but they stayed in contact with Brandon. Brandon was with his car, and he tried to signal them by flashing his lights on and off, but they saw nothing, nor did he see them do the same. And I don't know why, but that part gave me super fucking chills. There's something really fishy about that part to me. Brandon finally gave up and told his parents he was going to leave the car and walk towards the lights he could see, that led him to believe he was near Lind, Minnesota, which is a small town roughly seven miles southwest of Marshall. He told his dad to head for the parking lot of a local bar and wait for him there. Brian began driving there, that's his dad, talking to his son as he did. But shortly after 2.30 a.m., which was 47 minutes into the call, Brian suddenly interrupted himself on the phone and said, oh shit, and immediately afterwards the connection was lost. Brandon has not been seen from or heard from since. So, you know, imagine that would be so fucking scary. You're talking to someone on the phone, you're trying to find them, you hear, oh shit, and the phone call just disconnects. No, fuck all that. Super scary. But anyway, at 6.30 the next morning, his parents reported Brandon missing to the Lynn police. They were told at first that it was hardly unusual for young men that age to stay out all night, and after the last day of college classes especially. Annette Swanson specifically recalled that one of the officers had said it was Brandon's right to be missing, which is cop talk for we don't feel like actually doing anything on it. Later that morning, to the Lens police credit, they did start a search, but found no trace of Brandon in the town or outside. They did request that the office of Lyon County Sheriff Joel Dahl assist them. To better focus on the search, the sheriff's office which I don't understand why the Lynn police didn't do this, but the sheriff's office actually obtained Brandon's cell phone records, which revealed that Brandon had been calling from the vicinity of Taunton along State Highway 68, the main road to Canby, northwest of Marshall, 25 miles from Lynn. So somehow, Brandon was totally mixed up on his area. He thought he was 25 miles away from where he was, and nobody understands how that could have happened, but that's what the cell phone records show. So searching in that area, deputies finally discovered Brandon's abandoned car in a ditch off a gravel road along Lincoln County line, a mile north of Highway 68. So what they had to do at that point was bring the office of the county sheriff, Jack Vizeki, into the investigation. So now at this point, we got two sheriff's departments and a police department all involved in the search. Jack Vizeki told the media that the Lumina had gotten hung up on the top of an incline at the edge of the road. Not seriously enough to damage the car, but enough to keep the wheels from touching the ground on that side. 
There was nothing else found amiss with the car. But check this out, guys. All four doors were found wide open. And due to the grass and gravel in the area surrounding it, there were no tracks, thus no way to tell what direction Brandon might have actually started to walk away. I think it's really weird. Why are all four doors open if it was just him traveling in the car? One of the mysteries of Brandon's vanishing, apparently. His cell phone call had been routed through a tower at the intersection of County Routes 3 and 10 near Minota, another town along the Highway 68. But by May 15th, the call had been determined to have come within five miles of the towers. So searchers did kind of concentrate their efforts there. And since part of that circle included Yellow Medicine County to the north, authorities from that jurisdiction also took part. So now we have four different law enforcement departments working on the search for him. So from that area, Dahl noted a red light atop a Taunton grain elevator could be seen. It was possible, he thought, that that was what Brennan had seen that led him to believe that he was near Lind and within walking distance. Grand searches were being complemented with a flyover by an aerial team. There were search dogs that were brought in from the Twin Cities, a team of bloodhounds from nearby Coddington County, South Dakota, and picked up a three-mile trail that largely followed the field of roads west-northwest to an abandoned farm then along the Yellow Medicine River to a point which it appeared to enter the stream. And they say stream because at that point it wasn't really deep where he entered. At some parts in this little river, it got up to 10 feet. But this particular spot was super shallow. Brandon did mention passing fences and hearing nearby water, his father recalled. On the theory that Brandon might have drowned, boats from the state's Department of Natural Resources were deployed along the river and gates were installed. In some areas in Lincoln County, the water had been 10 feet, like 10 feet, like I was just saying. Um, but there was, you know, extensive searches. The specific area where the trail was found wasn't that deep. So at this point, they, they don't think he drowned, but I mean, who fucking knows? So later searches were organized, which found no sign of Swanson. Most efforts were discontinued. Sheriff Vizeki continued to walk the two miles of the Yellow Medicine River in that area every day for 30 days. The Swansons left their porch light on all night, every night, as a symbol of hope that Brandon would eventually return or be found. And they actually still do leave the porch light on. Searches resumed late that fall, after fields planted shortly after the disappearance had been harvested. Dogs on those searches continued to follow scents of human remains into an area northwest of Porter that had not been searched earlier. Efforts picked up again in the spring after snow melted, but before planting, a cycle that continued through 2011. By that time, 122 square miles had been searched. In 2010, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension took over as the lead agency on the case. It did set up a tip line, which by 2015 had 90 leads, which had been reported that way. By that point, when official searches resumed, the area of interest had moved towards Mud Creek, a tributary of the Yellow Medicine north and northwest of Porter. So there are a few theories uh, that kind of swirl around this vanishing. I'll get into them a little bit. Um, I mean, theories are as good as, you know, fucking opinions, but... Might as well get into it. 
So, while the trail followed by one of the dogs went to the yellow medicine, and despite her son's last known words, his mom, Annette, does not think he drowned there. After following the scent to the water, the dog continued up across the other side and along that riverbank to another gravel road, where it continued north towards the Yellow Medicine County line and ended, almost as if he got picked up by a car. So if this trail is going through a stream, up the other side, and on a little way, there's no way this kid drowned there. There really is nothing to indicate that he's in the river, his mom told CNN. Brian Swanson, his dad, also recalls that any alcohol his son had consumed earlier in the evening, notwithstanding, he did not seem disoriented or confused during their phone conversations. If Swanson is still alive, there are other possibilities, although they appear remote. He could have intentionally disappeared, but his parents don't believe that he would have done that. Vizeki said he could not rule out foul play, even though there was no evidence of it. Someone could have been in the shadows and they got him that way, he speculated. Let's talk about the law that his parents got into effect after he vanished. I wish uh, more parents could get laws like this put into effect because as if you've listened to my show for any amount of time, you know when people go missing, it's a total shit show with the police a lot of the times. So after the searches, Annette Swanson was still struck by the initial response of the Lynn police that her son, quote, had a right to be missing when she told him how old he was. I'm his mother and I know something was horribly wrong, she recalled later. She and Brian began lobbying for changes in state law that would acquire investigation into cases of a missing adult to begin as soon as it's reported. Much was already required in cases of possible abducted children. Annette met with Marty Seifert, minority leader of the State House of Representatives at that time whose district included Marshall, in a local restaurant. The two talked about the problems she had experienced with the police when she reported her son missing. She knew it wouldn't help in her son's case, but that it could help in the future, Seifert recalled in 2015. He introduced a bill called Brandon's Law that would make it required change by amending the law governing the state's existing missing child program to change the word child to person. He recalled considerable resistance at first from the state's law enforcement community as it was developed in committee. Part of it had to do with privacy, especially regarding cell phones. Technology was emerging then, so there were discussions about privacy and when they can ping you and when they can't. It's like, seriously, why? I, don't, I really don't get why anybody would be against searching from, for a missing person the minute they are reported. How many studies, how many instances do we have to see of how every hour is so important as soon as somebody goes missing? And these are law enforcement motherfuckers. They should know this. But whatever, let's get going <laughs> before I freak the fuck out. Dennis Fredrickson introduced a companion bill in the state Senate. After it passed both houses in May 2009, Governor Tim Pawlenty signed it into law with the Swansons and their daughter, Jamine, in attendance at the ceremony. The effect of the change also required that police, in addition to determining in their preliminary investigation that the reported person is indeed missing, determine whether that person is potentially in dangerous circumstances. They must also notify other nearby law enforcement agencies promptly. That's fucking a good-ass idea, too. Brandon's law also clarifies that the agency taking the report is the lead agency investigating the case. 
The absence of that distinction had created some problems in later phases of the initial search where three different counties were involved. Police were no longer allowed to refuse a report based on an initial belief that no criminal activity was involved. The brevity of the interval since the person was last seen, the possibility that the person may have intentionally disappeared, or the lack of a relationship between the person missing and the reporter. Following the governor's signature, the law took effect at the beginning of July 2009. Four other states have passed similar laws. Damn, I wonder, you know what, all 50 states need to pass laws like that. Because I can't tell you how many times precious hours and days have been lost because people want to dick around, twiddle their thumbs, and not do their jobs. It's fucking ridiculous. But anyway. There are a lot of people that think this case kind of belong on a missing 411 type platform. Because there's just so many strange things about the case. So apparently he should have known the area he was in. But he was actually like 40 minutes in the complete opposite direction. He's talking on the phone to his parents and suddenly disconnects. The four doors being open. And the one part that gave me chills, the part where he's flashing their lights, his headlights at his parents, and supposedly they're doing the same to him. But neither can see these flashing lights. So there was just so, several weird little things like that throughout the story that people said, hey, this sounds like a David Palladay's story. So I actually just uh, took a second, looked it up, and he actually did make a video about the Brandon Swanson case. So go check that out if you want to. That's on YouTube. I got a lot of my information today off a Wikipedia article and some newspaper clippings from around the time of the accident. But yeah, as of today, guys, you know what, 12 years later, there is no trace of Brandon. Nothing. Like, he just fucking up and vanished off the face of the planet. So, let me get you some phone numbers if you happen to know any information on this case. You can contact the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office in Minnesota at area code 507-694-1664. Or the Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST, which is 1-800-843-5678. Or you can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com. You can go check out the Parlor account or Facebook and contact me there. So right now, I kind of, on Instagram, have been using my old personal account. So I think if you just search under Vanish in the Valley or Vanish in the Valley Athena, you can find that account. I'm not really going to, like, beef it up like the old one because, uh, yeah, it'll probably just get deleted at some point when I say something to piss off the tech overlords. So that one's just there kind of right now to supplement with just uh, some pictures and just very lightweight stuff with the cases. So the parlor account is kind of taking over where the Instagram account left off. I'll be posting most of the, uh, I guess, correlating images for each episode on parlor. So go check it out. Come say hi. And I know a lot of people have said, oh my God, don't go to parlor. It's just a conservative website. Don't go to parlor. They only vote for Trump there. Okay, well, assholes. I'm not conservative, I'm not a fucking Trump person, and I'm on Parler, so there goes that whole idea right there. So, and if you want different or diverse types of people to go to Parler, then get your ass there and make it diverse. You can't expect everyone else to 
diversify the fucking world for you. So, but now that we're done talking about Brandon, I wanted to let you guys know about some new CDC fuckery going on. So get ready for this shit. So if you go to the CDC website and search under operational considerations for humanitarian settings, it starts talking about this thing the CDC calls the shielding approach. And what it describes the shielding approach as is it aims to reduce the number of severe COVID-19 cases by limiting contact between individuals at higher risks of developing severe disease and the general population. High-risk individuals would be temporarily relocated to safe or quote-unquote green zones established at the household, neighborhood, camp slash sector, or community level, depending on the context and setting. They would have minimal contact with family members and other low-risk residents. What the actual fuck? They're like literally already talking about separating people in camps. And it it could basically just be anyone. They say people that are older or that have, you know, like a secondary underlying condition, something like that. They're the high-risk people. But... I don't fucking trust the CDC, especially after the shit show handling of the coronavirus. And how many people trust FEMA? This sounds like some Walking Dead nightmare shit. Like, come the fuck on. Shielding? And if you go to their website, it literally says all this. It breaks it all down for you, and it basically just tries to lay it all out for getting everyone to be on board with putting people into camps. And... I'm sorry, but does anybody at this point, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I bet there's a lot of fucking people that would feel and would probably volunteer to go fucking stay in the FEMA camps. Probably the same motherfuckers that will be volunteering for a vaccine for a fucking disease that has like a 98, 99% survivability rate. So there's just a lot of fuckery going on this CDC, which you can't even talk about on social media because it'll get your ass banned. You can't talk about this new Danish uh, study that came out that had thousands of participants in it that literally showed that there was not any fucking slow of the spread by using these cloth masks or the diapers or bandanas people have been using. So none of that is fucking helping. But for some reason, if you say you don't, you don't want to fucking do this shit that science has proven not to help, Suddenly you're fucking Hitler and you're murdering babies with, like, fucking clubs or something. I don't get it. It's... I don't know. Don't even get me started or I'll go on a fucking 20-minute rant. I was out with a boyfriend this weekend and just trying to do, like, normal shit. And you could tell the people in the city we were at, they were just fucking over it. People were either bitching about wearing their masks, not wearing their masks, or just had it down under their chin the whole time. I think... Hopefully. I mean, maybe it's just this area of the state I was in where people aren't fucking morons because it's fucking true. The closer you get to the Bay Area, the more liberal and fucking stupid people seem to get. And I'm not even like talking shit. I'm from the Bay Area. I'm a native Bay Arean, so I'll talk all the shit I want. It's like a known fact. People from the Bay Area think their own shit doesn't stink and they're super fucking liberal and will burn their own cities down. And... The people where I was, like, it was more north, like, Sacktown, Elk Grove area, 
Like, we were actually outside waiting to get some food, and I heard some lady as she was walking by talking about how fucking sick she was of wearing a pointless-ass mask. And all these businesses that are basically being strong-armed into spending thousands of dollars on these ridiculous outside setups that are just basically, it's like a tent. Everybody's enclosed in a tent instead of enclosed in a warm-ass building. It's like, really? Is that really such a big difference, fucking dictator Newsom? But it's okay if he's all enclosed at French Laundry with his fucking buddies not wearing masks, eating his $20,000 meal that night. So, I don't even know. I heard as of this Wednesday, Dictator Newsom's about to shut down all restaurants, you know, for pickup. And uh, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he expects these small business owners to do. I know he doesn't give a fuck because the counties where all of his businesses are, they aren't shut down like this. But I guess he doesn't care. I mean, it's not even a guess. I know he doesn't care. He comes from a rich-ass family. He doesn't know what it's like to struggle and to live paycheck to paycheck. But, Californians, you voted this motherfucker in, so it's all on you. The shitty part is the people that have a brain, the minority, are just kind of like getting forced to do whatever the sheep are voting for and forced to do whatever the sheep want to do because they're in the majority at this point, which really fucking sucks. I don't know, I've seen some videos where people, I believe it was on the East Coast, they were telling the health department to get the fuck out of their establishment and force the sheriffs to make them leave, and it worked. And, I mean, they're basically saying, you know, come back with a search warrant, which they may do, I don't fucking know. But I posted that video up on my parlor account, go check it out. It. I, I wish more people would do it, because if all small businesses stuck together and forced out the draconian health department, and even the police or sheriffs that are trying to back the governors on these completely unconstitutional mandates. This shit couldn't happen. A mandate is not a law. People have to vote for a law, okay? And nobody voted for masks. Nobody voted for their businesses to get shut the fuck down. I mean, I think they're trying to, like, literally break the capitalist mold and force socialism on people and force everyone to be totally dependent on the government. And how fucking icky is that? To be dependent, A, on anyone, but let alone the government? Fuck, no, thank you. Not loving it. I think that's about it for this week's episode. Before I get out of here, I do have to thank all of our downloaders. You guys know I appreciate you. Come say hi, come say what's up, talk to me, shoot the shit. If you have anybody that's missing and you would like me to profile them, you can contact me at vanishinthevalley at gmail.com. Last week I was telling you guys about this website that has awesome prices on like knives, gun accessories, magazines, stuff like that called nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com and I was telling you last week, I'm like, I'm not getting paid to say any of this shit. Well now they like, uh, they gave me this discount code so if you go to my parlor account, uh, you can actually follow this link and you'll, you can get a discount by using my link. So when you do that, I actually kind of get paid through a discount on their website. So I don't know if that uh, statement is completely accurate anymore, so I just wanted to update you guys. I kind of do get a kickback now if you guys use my little link to buy any of their accessories. So just keeping it on the up and up. One more thing I gotta say before I run out of here is can you motherfuckers stop cheating on each other? If you're in a goddamn relationship, 
just be in that relationship. If you don't want to be in a relationship or you want to go have sex with people or hook up with people, in the relationship first. Because what's happening is you're leaving in your wake a bunch of scarred ass people with baggage that they move on to the next relationship assuming that person's going to do the same shit. And my ass, I'm 40 years old and I've never once cheated in any relationship I've ever been in. And now I have to like, yeah, just deal with the fucking, just all the fucking craziness that comes with that. So people, just if you're in a fucking relationship, be loyal. How hard is that? Just be fucking loyal or get out of the relationship. Come the fuck on. All right. Well, that's it. That's my last rant of the week. Uh, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Cha-chao. Are you lost? Yes.